and all the time. I like it. Can we do that one more time? God is good and all the time. There is not a truer statement on this earth. Let me tell you that. God is the greatest thing ever, and what he's done for me surpasses anything I could ever do for him. But he's allowed me to have the opportunity to, to share something with you guys. Um, tonight is really different. It's exciting for me because I love doing this, but it's a little different. I'm not really going to be preaching to you guys like that. It's more of a, it's more of a Bible study. We're about to dive into the scripture. Has anybody here dove into the scripture on their own? Can I raise, raise your hand? Let me tell you, these people are blessed. So if you haven't raised your hand, I pray that this is the first time of many times that you start to dive into the word because the word says if you want to know the Father, you need to know his word. So we're really about to dive in tonight. Now, if you missed last week, I'm going to give a quick recap. I'm going to do my best to do it quickly. But this is really intricate. This, this chapter has a lot of weight in it, a lot of substance, a lot of things to, you know, chew on. So the first two chapters is basically, um, it's, well, the book is called Galatians. To background that, uh, Paul writes a letter to the churches in Galatia, which is an area in like mid-Asia, Middle Asia. And so he's planting churches there. And as he's planting these churches, he goes to a different place, and then people are coming behind him and ruining the gospel he's preaching. So he finds out about this, and he's like, nah, 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 I got to set this straight. So he writes this letter to them to kind of set them straight and teach them what's really happening. And so in the first chapter, he's saying, like, hi, I'm Paul. He says, blessings, church, you know, all the good stuff. And then right after, you know, God bless, he goes, all right, I'm, like, really fathomed. Like, I can't understand how wrong you are. Like, he goes straight into it. He's the big brother you maybe never had. Like, he goes in on them. So he's talking to them, and he's saying, I can't believe, like, you messed up the gospel. And so then he says, but let me let you know, I'm not just talking out of my mouth, like, I'm talking to my neck, like, nothing. God told me to tell you this. God is backing up what I'm saying. And not only that, but the other apostles, I spoke with them, and they all agreed with me. But he does something really, really specific and really intricate for the church, he brings up a story. So one of the apostles that agreed to this new gospel was Peter. And he tells a story how him and the apostles are at dinner and they're eating with some Gentiles. Gentiles are the dirty. They're, they're basically anyone that's not a Jew. They're not God's people. And so he's talking to them or they're eating together and Peter's there chilling, relaxed. Think like you're at Olive Garden, right? And you with your family, you know, you're chilling. All of a sudden, some old friends pop up. And you like, oh, no, I'm not with them. What? I ain't with them. I ain't really with them. I was just playing. I was playing. But so Paul, pieces. he's like, yo, Peter, what are you doing, bro? He calls him out in front of everybody. He's like, yo, you hypocrite. What are you doing? You just say you accepted this new gospel that accepts the Gentiles, and now you're pushing them away, bro? How do you accept this new gospel and then turn back to your old ways? So he brings that out because that is the church of Galatia right now. And so... My title for tonight's sermon, it's very easy. It's titled Faith. Now, the reason I titled it Faith is because this, this chapter is kind of split up into three main parts. If you have your Bibles, um, God bless you, first off. Second, um, most of them have headers. And it's split it up into three sections. And each section is connected by faith. And so I really want to touch on the faith in each section. So the first part, I kind of paraphrased it. My, I don't really have points. I'm just going to go over the sections. This is Bible study, y'all. Amen? Amen. So the first section is faith or works. So in here, 
Paul, he talked about a couple different things, but they're, they're very connected. You got to, like, stay with me on this. So the first section of verses, he's talking about the spirit versus the law. And we're going to start with verses 1 and 2. And the Bible says in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verses 1 and 2 says, you foolish Galatians, with the exclamation point, he mad. He said, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or believing what you heard? Now, I'm going to kind of do a little translation for this. So he starts off, you foolish Galatians, yo, bozos. Like, what are you doing? Who, who messed with you? Who's the shoddy that messed with your, with your mindset? Who is it that came in and ruined the way you were thinking about what I just taught you? He says, who has bewitched you? And then he talks about, he makes it personal. He says, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly crucified. He's saying, this new gospel that I showed you, you saw it with your eyes. You saw this. And then he goes, he gets mad sarcastic with them. He's like, yo, let me ask you something. Like, you know when your mom knows what happened? Like, she knows you wrong, but she still goes, Dame decito algo, mira. <laughs> and he goes, I want to learn just one thing from you. This spirit, this new gospel that I'm preaching about is about the spirit. Did you get that spirit through your works, your own actions, or did you get it by faith, by, by understanding and believing this new gospel? So first, to kind of break this down, I really want to get you guys into the Jewish mindset and why in the first place it was kind of hard for them to accept this new gospel. So for us, it's easy because we, I mean, we're here now. We, it, this gospel was here before us. But during their time, it was new. They were already in this Jewish mentality, this, this kind of, it's all about religion. It's about my tradition. It's about my heritage. It's what my grandfather did and my grandfather's grandfather. And, my, and it just goes down. And so this was just, this was life to them. This Jewish tradition that was really hard, it was called the law, basically. The works of the law is what they had to live by. And so for them, it was different because they were Jews. And when you were a Jew, you were like, you know, you got big chest, you swole, you know, you got the power, the anointing. You, you, you identify as a Jew, and you were proud of that. And then there were people called Gentiles who were the dirty people. It's like, you know, ain't the church folk. But here's the thing. As a Jew, you weren't allowed to associate with them. But now, all of a sudden, this new gospel says it's for everybody. So you're saying, wait a minute. So first off, you're telling me all this work that I'm doing doesn't work anymore. And second, I have to accept people I once had to ignore? That's a little hard, even right now. It's like someone comes up to you and says, hey, I know I got a lot of baggage, but I need some help. Can you help me? It's like, I don't want to. You, you got a little too much baggage for me, right? You got a little too, too much problems for me. I, I don't know if I should get into this. But the thing is, Jesus says we're supposed to love on everybody. We're supposed to help everybody. So for the Jews, this is a different mindset that they got to switch into. So here's the thing. It was new for them that it was for everyone, and it was just hard for them to accept. So they're just, it's hard for them to accept faith over works. But here's the thing. Paul does something really intellectual. Now, I like to think I'm a smart guy, but Paul, probably y'all didn't. He did something, these stubborn people that, like, won't accept anything new, he uses something that is sure to change their minds because he, he did, I got you. Like, so I'm going to tell you what he did. He went after the very thing they were so proud of, which was their source of tradition and heritage. He went after the greatest of great-grandfathers, Abraham. 
Now, if you don't know who Abraham is, he's basically the father of faith. If you look at his story, which you should one day because it's beautiful. If you look at his story, God is constantly pulling him out of situations and taking him to places that require faith because God's not giving him the full picture yet. The, the beginning of Abraham's story is I want you to leave your land. I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave your friends. I want you to go somewhere. And he doesn't say where. He just go. And so right there, that's the foundation of faith. And the thing is, the lineage that goes down. The, okay, let me explain something. His wife at one point, or not at one point, she couldn't bear children. This is the biggest thing of faith. I'm going to drop this on you. The biggest thing of faith, his wife couldn't bear children. And God comes to him and says, hey, I want to let you know something. Your lineage, your children, your, you know, your grandkids and grandkids, they're the ones that are going to bless the world. The entire world is going to be blessed through your kids. And he's like, hold up, what are you talking about? Like, you, do you not know how this works, Jesus? Like, that's not how, like, it, it's not possible. But he had faith. And in the same way, it's like, not, nah, but God, my parents are already filing the papers. Like, it's, it's not possible, but you have to have faith. It's like, God, I, I'm already too behind in school. Like, I'm never going to, you got to have faith. Like, God, I'm already smoking every day. Like, I really just can't get over it. You got to have faith. God, this website is just too, you got to have faith. There are certain things where you got to build it off of faith because you're not going to do it alone. You need that faith. So when he accepted what God was trying to give to him, this promise, it was based off of faith. And so for the Jews, it was like, wow, like, that's kind of crazy. You just did that. And if you really want to see this, we're about to go into the verse, the verses, uh, verses 7 through 9. He says, understand then, those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of, say the last word, what's the last word? Faith. Faith. Say it again. Come on. Listen, it's crazy because if you try and break this down a little bit more, the Jews, like I said, they're very traditional. They know their Bible, well, the Torah. They had the Old Testament. So they knew it like the back of their hand, the same way we should be knowing our Bibles like the back of our hand because this is who we are. This is the foundation of our, our, our faith is the Bible. So when you come in here, and he kind of just like attacks them. They know and they're proud of the fact that they're Abraham's children. So when he comes in and says, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. He says, are you really a child of Abraham if you have no faith? Like, are you really this person you're proclaiming to be? Like, he's the, the man of faith, not the man of works, not the man of the law, not the man of the Old Testament, not the man of circumcision. He's the man of faith. So what are you? Are you really his child? Are you really with him? And so it's crazy that he attacks them. And the other thing is, he comes for the other issue, which is the Gentiles. He says, scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by what? By what? By faith. So not only is he attacking their heritage and saying, listen, if you really are a son of a child of Abraham, you have faith. But now these people that you don't want, they're going to be children too because they have faith. Because it said, so those who rely on faith are blessed. That means any Gentile who relies on faith is now blessed. So this blessing, this being a child of, of the great Abraham is for anyone who has faith. And so it's crazy because not only does 
he bring up Abraham to kind of relay this message of faith, he does it to talk about this next thing, which is the promise. Because you see, when God told him that the nations will be blessed through his children, that was a promise. And so it kind of goes into this next section. Listen, it, well, first I'll read this verse. He says, verse 14, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. I want you to hold on to that last section. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And this goes into the next section, promise and law. So this next section is all about promise and law and the relationship that it has with, it, with one another. And so we're going to read verses 17 through 18. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God, in his grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. Time out. I don't know if you read the first section with me, but we're going to go verse 17. He says... He talks about the law being introduced 430 years later. Now, this, this context, God gave him a promise. And for 430 years, he still hasn't seen the promise. He still hasn't seen it. But can I remind you, God is faithful with his promises. He's not just saying that we need to be faithful. He's telling you God is faithful with his promise. And it's not even done yet because he says 430 years later, that's when the law came. Not the promise, the law. But, here's the but. It says that the law did not do away with the promise. That means that God will set standards for you. He will tell you to do things, but it's never going to get in the way of your promise. It's never going to stop you from reaching where God's calling you. It's only there to guide you towards where God's calling you. Can I get an amen? So it was there to just help them. And the other thing, which is so key, a lot of people, they don't get this. It says that if the inheritance depends on the law then it no longer depends on the promise. What does this mean? I'm going to tell you right now. It means you can't work for God's grace. You can't work for his promise. There's nothing that you can do to earn. God. This isn't a paycheck. God is not your employer like saying, yeah, you work this week. Here's your check. He's based on faith. If you, if you have faith, then you receive your promise. I don't care how much work you do. I don't care how many homeless people you feed. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you sing. If you don't have faith, you're not going to get the promise. Abraham didn't get his promised land because he worked. He got it because he was faithful. If there's something you can grab from that verse, it's that. It's that your works don't get your inheritance. Your faith does. Now, I'm like bashing the law a lot. Your works a lot. It's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does matter. There's a, there was a purpose. God gave us the law, so obviously it matters. And Paul talks about that. And why was it there? Paul says that it was there basically to guide them until Jesus came. Because the thing is, that promise, that blessing to all nations, that was Jesus. He was telling Abraham the gospel early, that Jesus would come and save the world. So he's telling them 430 years later, he realizes how bad humans are, how full of sin we are. So to help us, he gives us the law. Actually, Paul calls it a guardian for us because it is guiding us and keeping us safe and keeping us strict because without it, we're going to be stray away from the promise. God won't remove your promise, but you can. Listen, God can't remove your promise, but you can get in the way. 
Listen, so it was called a guardian, but here's the special part. This strict law, this strict work, this strict, 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 it was only temporary. God didn't mean for it to be there forever. He didn't want his people to be constantly, constantly under the law. He wanted them to be with him. The law was there to help guide them towards his presence. So God was like, I can't deal with my people not being able to be with me. In fact, in the Bible times, only one person can enter God's presence on one single day a year. Can I remind you how blessed you are that you can come and worship God anytime you want and instantly be in his presence? All you got to do is call his name and he will be there. So let me, like, that's just, let that be revelation to you. Don't take God's presence for granted. Don't take what Jesus did for granted. Jesus died on the cross. It talks about it here. He died on the cross and took the power away from sin. The power of sin was keeping you away from God. So when he strips that power away from sin, he's giving you free access to Jesus anytime. I don't know if that was powerful to you, but that was powerful to me to hear. It, it, it gave me a, a sense of, man, this Christianity thing is beautiful. Imagine being a Jew and you couldn't worship God. You had to tell the, you had to tell someone like, hey, I messed up this week. Can you let God know um, in like three months when we do that one day a year thing? What? Imagine not having God's presence at any time. I can't imagine a life like that. I'm a messed up person. I make mistakes all the time. I'm so grateful to constantly be in his presence. To say, God, I'm so sorry. I repent for my sins. Can you please forgive me? And he does. So can I remind you, anytime you mess up, you don't got to slay a, a sheep. You don't got to slay a pig. You don't got to tell some guy, hey, go in there and tell him. You can do it on your own. This, this, this walk with God, it's a personal thing. It says in the Bible, in, in Paul's letter, he talks about how before there had to be a mediator. That mediator was the person I was telling you about, the head priest. Someone had to be there for you to connect to God. When Jesus did that, it says it was only God and you. It was only God and you. It was personal. God never meant for it to be some distant thing. He wants to be with you. Can I remind you, God loves you and he wants to be with you? I don't know who felt a little lonely tonight. I don't know who felt like nobody cared for them tonight. I don't know who felt like nobody wants me, loves me, nothing. Listen, I don't care how many times they keep on telling you you're worthless. God loves you. So it's, it's, it's just, it's this thing that God does where he just, no matter what, he wants the promise to be fulfilled. And part of that promise has to do with my third point, and that's being a child of God. Throw it up. Being children of God. Before to be a child of God, you had to be in the law. You had to be a Jew. You had to be strict, strict, strict. But that was under the law. Paul's letter says that once Jesus came, everything changed. Once Jesus came, he tore that veil. Once Jesus came, there was no separation. Once Jesus came, it was free access at any time. In verse 25, it says, now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Now that faith is here, you don't need someone to represent you. Now that faith is here, you don't need someone to slay an animal for you. Now that faith is here, you have free access at any time. But that's not even the most beautiful part of all this. My favorite part comes in the last verse. The last three verses, 26 through 29. It says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. 
There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There's so much beauty in these three lines. I don't know if you, how much you know about back Bible times, but clothing was way more important than it is now. Now, you know, I, I try and look fly. You know, I got my Cactus Jack McDonald's, you feel me? I got my Jay's line, you feel me? But that's just because I'm trying to, you know, fly out. But the thing is, back then, your clothing was literally who you were. Now we use it to represent ourselves, sure, but it was literally who you were. Your clothing let people know if you were a slave, let people know if you were a master, let people know if you were a king, if you were a peasant. It let them know who you were. So it's saying here that when we're baptized into Christ, you've now closed yourself with Christ. That means you are now a part of Christ. That means you are now identifying yourself as a believer. You are now a Christian. You are now part of his family. And this whole thing that Paul is trying to get like get to them is, listen, this old gospel you're teaching is too, is too separational. There's too much segregation in this gospel. This new gospel I'm preaching is for everybody because God wants to be with everybody. He doesn't care if you're a Gentile. He doesn't care if you're a Jew. And here it says neither Jew nor Gentile are in this. It's all of us in one. There's something so beautiful about being a part of God's family, and he wants everyone to be a part of it. And he's so smart because at the end of it, at the end of this whole thing, he talks back to the Jews and he says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, how do you belong to Christ? By faith. And when you have faith, he's telling the Jews, if you have faith, you're a part of Christ. And if you're part of Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. Then you can be proud of that heritage. You can be proud of that tradition because Christ is with you. And that's, it's not just for the Jews. It's crazy because he wrote this for Galatia, but God wanted him to write it for us. God wanted us to know that if you have faith, then you are a part of Christ and you are a part of this family. And anyone, anyone has access to it. So I want to I wanna make an altar call tonight. Come straight up. I don't know how lost you've been feeling. I don't know how separated you've been feeling. I don't know how your walk with God is going. And I don't know if you're trying to make up for it by saying, God, I'm going to do a five-minute prayer. God, I'm going to sing an extra song today. God, I'm going to do something just to make up for, for my lack of faith. But can I remind you and can I emphasize to you, God just wants your faith. He wants you to believe. He wants you to love. And he wants you to accept what he's already given you. So tonight, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, if you haven't clothed yourself in Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that tonight and to become part of a family that loves you, that cares for you, and that's always here for you. Now, I'm going to count to three, and on three, if you haven't accepted Jesus but you want to, I pray you raise your hand like a rocket. And don't let anybody around you, any negative thought come into your mind and, and back you out of this because I'm telling you this is the greatest thing you could ever do. On the count of three, if you if you feel like saying yes, just raise your hand. On one, make it personal tonight. Make it personal with him. It's just you and him. Nobody's looking. Two, this is for you. This is for your life. One, two, three. 
All right, it seems like we're off from the house, but I'm going to make another prayer. Because even if you say yes to Jesus the first time, somewhere along the line, your faith might start feeling a little attacked. You might feel a little low. You might feel like it's not the same as it used to be. So I'm going to pray for the strength of your faith. Everybody repeat after me. Say, God, I love you. I'm sorry. I've forsaken you. But thank you because you love me. And all you need is my faith. And I pray that tonight I start to give you more faith. And I have family that will give faith to me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen.